0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to Studio Secrets A to Z. Um, we're here today with a very distinguished guest, um, the legendary songwriter, um, John Durrill, And we're so excited to have you here. I don't even know where to begin.
1: Well, it's good to be here, AJ. It's a beautiful rainy day out here in Southern California. <laughs> <laughs> nice driving, uh, should I say floating in. <laughs>
0: it's great to see you yeah um so you too. yeah I, I, I've kind of got a little outline of there's so many topics I you know we I wanted to start off with like how you you know growing up you know in, in Oklahoma and how you you got into music and might tell us a little bit about your early days yeah the
1: uh it's interesting in, in a lot of ways you know early on uh, uh, I was uh, Loved uh, Fats Domino and was taking piano lessons, and of course, I was uh, more interested in Elvis and Fats Domino and then uh, Mozart and Chopin. But at the actual start of where I really thought I had a, uh, a something to go into the the biz, so to speak, was uh, uh, I did a concert, or actually just an old rock show with uh, David Gates. David was from Tulsa. And somebody uh, came to me one day and said, uh, John, they need a piano player at the Civic Center. And, and I was in my little hometown of Bartlesville, Oklahoma. And I ran down there, you know, because I heard somebody needed a piano player. It was David. Oh, my God. And and he had a little trio. Leon Russell had played in it, and Moses, this drummer. And... So I jumped up on the stage and I said, I hear you're looking for a piano player. And, and uh, David said, yeah, do you know any uh, songs? And I said, well, a few, you know. And he said, well, most of ours, we have about eight or nine that we play, you know. And one of them was a new record he had out in Tulsa. He was, he was 16. Actually, at the time, he was going with his high school sweetheart. And they got married. And they're still married today. And wow! They, and so I played with uh, him that night for uh, five bucks, you know. That's incredible. And one taste, and there it was. And Leon later played. We played uh, in Tulsa, and I think he was there. I don't remember for sure, but I met him, and then my life changed again when I met him down the line in Hollywood uh, when he was working for the same people I got involved with. But that's how it started. The bug bit me early on, you know. Wow. So you were how old then? Uh, Sophomore in high school. Wow. So that was 57.
0: (laughs) That's incredible. And David Gates, I mean, for those who don't know, is the lead singer of Bread, um, uh, one of the most legendary rock groups of the 70s, and yeah. they had hit after hit after hit. And uh, I'm a big fan of them, um, massive fan. Like, I, I've, I've studied all their songs. They're just so special. He was very good at, at anything
1: he did, you know. Excellent singer. The, uh, he's just He was just a... He inspired me, you know. Uh, when he was so far ahead of me at, at his age, and he's only a year or so older than I am. So, you know. it was, there was one story, something about a pool hall you told me one time. Where... That's where I was, actually. I wasn't going to bring it up on the interview oh. to, to disclose my ill fortunes <laughs> of a misspent youth. But, uh, <laughs> but I was in the pool hall, and one of the guys ran in <laughs> that I I don't remember who it was (laughs) he ran and said does anybody in here know how to play the piano now this is a true story the one I gave you is a little embellished oh this is better uh, but he said and I I raised my hand of course and said I can (laughs) so he told me the guy some guy at the Civic uh, little
0: auditorium in Bartlesville was looking for a piano player that's unbelievable and so I ran down there that's what happened that's incredible. I just love these stories. Um, and so from there, they, they, you ended up somehow hooking up with Snuff Garrett. Is that the next step, or am I st- skipping too much if I get...
1: Well, it, actually, I saw him pretty soon <clears throat> after that. Uh, I, What happened is that, uh, of course, I uh, graduated from college. You know, I had my first burst with the, the R&R bit and went to, col- to colli- uh, college and graduated, taught school for a while, but I still had a band going. Okay. And uh, at Southeastern State University, in fact, Reba McIntyre graduated there much later on. I don't want to age her, get in trouble. (laughs) Uh, But uh, anyway, uh, we had a band and we're called the Mutineers. And uh, that was about two years or about four years later after my David Gates episode. And we we loved what we were doing, we didn't know what we were doing, you know, one of those kind of things. Yeah. And our bass player at the time before he played bass was playing maracas, and the Bo Diddley stuff. And we had one amp, one guitar player, me on any piano that was available, and a guy studying rhythm guitar that was a football player. <laughs> <laughs> and so we were working in these clubs that had screen doors and army blankets you know for doors and uh, you know five dollars a night and all the beer you could drink so you know we were in show business and from that grew the five Americans believe it or not wow and we had no clue we never knew if we'd have planned it it wouldn't have worked you know it was always that way and we were on our way to Houston one time to cut a hit record and we stopped in Dallas and never left that's just That was just our future. Wow. And uh, two years later, we had I See the Light, which I wrote and sang with Mike Rabin. I sang the lead, Mike sang harmony. And then a year after that, in 67, we had Western Union, which was number one all over the world. And that song, uh, we saw a telegram uh, Western Union sign one day, and Mike and I looked at that, and I don't remember who said it, Probably, Mike. Hey, we ought to write a song about Western Union or something of that. Yeah. I don't remember really. Wow. And we did, and we had the bit going. And, and how it.
0: did that start? I think you had mentioned that it was a broken <clears throat> organ that made a funny sound or something. Yeah, that had a Vox organ that uh, uh, Mike Smith
1: of the Dave Clark Five had showed me his, and he actually ordered one from London, sent to McKinney Music in Dallas, where we were based. And uh, Mike, what a sweet man! You know, he, I, we were doing a show with him. We opened up for them and, uh, and Dave Clark Five, and I think B.J. Thomas and different people that were in that area at the time. You know, incredible. And yeah, and it, uh, we fell into everything. We've planning no. But uh, that organ must have been a pretty huge purchase in those days. Yeah, the you know the black keys and the white tops. I was real cool. Oh and, my um, gosh! Yeah, I was. Yeah, uh, you know
0: that's on, the coolest. You, oh. Were you a little bit mod? Do they call oh, it? Hey, you know <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> I love that era. Um, I think we should take a, a short little break here and play uh, Western Union. I think people really need to hear it after that great story.
2: through my mind western union man bad news in his hand knocking at my door selling me the score 15 cents a word to read a telegram i didn't need says she doesn't care no more think i'll throw it on the floor
0: I'm overwhelmed with goosebumps. I mean, to sit in this room with you and listen to that is just, it's kind of freaking me out a little bit. I, I just, tell me about the recording session. I mean, what, tell me about that day. Like what? Oh, man. Well, uh, believe it or not, the guy
1: that producing that, uh, Dale Hawkins, produced it. And if that isn't a menagerie of people. I mean, Dale had Suzy Q and, and, you know, probably one of the greatest all-time innovative songs for that time and it had come out and and, uh, done its uh, due diligence and all that. But Dale was a friend of our manager, and he ended up producing that in Tyler, Texas with Robin Hood Bryan. Robin Hood, Robin Hood's crazy. He, uh, he said boys uh, what have you got and we had this thing going and, and we started playing and Dale started yelling in the studio he said man whatever that is don't
0: stop it you know and we kept <laughs> you know,
1: two hours later we'd paste it together it's so we, tight
0: it's some, I mean that's, that's you guys playing everything everything
1: you know it was uh, uh, we'd Worn it out, you know, playing it and trying to figure out what was wrong with it. Instead of saying, "Hey, we got something here," you know, we but that helped in a way. And sometimes it didn't polarize the group at all. We just were fanatically, you know, examined it and stayed on it and played it all the time. And when we recorded it, it, uh, we got it in about four or five takes and then pieced some things on it. It was an eight-track machine, and uh, John Fred and the Playboys came in. They cut Judy in disguise with glasses. And uh, uh, the ZZ Top yeah. the boys came in and started there. And we, they used to uh, work with us,
0: carried our amps, in fact, to gigs at the time. You know, they were playing. Unbelievable. Stuff. Wow. I just love that song. I, I, <clears> Greg, <throat> I was thinking we should maybe do an electric lecture cover of it. Wouldn't it be amazing? I mean, we could get John in on the organ and stuff. Oh, yeah. it'd, it'd be so much fun to <clears> revive <throat> smash, it.
1: Smash Mouth cut it.
0: Yeah. That's and right. They they had a... You know, it
1: never was released as far as I know. But well, that's they, our opportunity then, Greg. Yeah, but you, know, you check it out. I really <laughs> love what <laughs> they did. Yeah, I like I, what they did. I See the Light uh, was a, the song before that. A guy out here in Hollywood, when I came out to do, uh, we did the shivery and Hull Balloon, a lot of the shows, when I See the Light was a hit, the fir- before Western Union. And believe it or not, a guy at the whiskey said, man, that is really psychedelic. And I thought, well... I'm ready to fight. I didn't even know what the word meant. I thought... It... <laughs> so I was, ready go, I was ready to go to war with it. We had no clue. It's psychedelic. We're from Dallas, man. We're wearing sharkskin suits. Not beads and,
0: and jeans. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's and incredible. Funny. Wow, that's just mind-blowing, you know. Um, the Yeah, just... I, I'm speechless.
1: <laughs> oh, hey, Jay, you know, it, it. we were a lot of groups like us in those days because of the 60s being so impulsively driven to just pull it all out of you, you know? It It was a heaven for the song. It's so
0: inspiring because, like, you guys are playing together, and it's just, it's got this incredible energy and feel, and there's no grid or click track, and it just, it's just magical. Like, tell me about the high falsetto voices. Is that you, or is that... That's me, Mike and
1: Norman. Norman was the football player that learned how to play rhythm by okay. reading a book all right. on how to play the guitar. Good I think him. by the Ventures, a group I would join later. I mean, this is all connected. Wow. Everything in my life was connected by mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> No point. <laughs> you fall in a hole to reach for the sky. You know that was me.
0: That's but, a great line. Have you used that in a song? No, but it works. We've, we're writing this down. Yeah. <laughs> I'll
1: give it to Greg. We're, we're getting it.
0: like multi-platinum advice here without even trying.
1: <laughs> oh, well, hey, it's good to be here with you. You've man. been, a, you've been an inspiration to me, both you and Greg Anson have uh, believed in what I'm. You know, my new stuff that'll be coming
0: up later. Oh yeah, we'll be going through that too. Yeah,
1: but I, you know, you guys have. Uh, uh, you know, stood with me.
0: Well, I we're, we're just thrilled and honored to get this story out to the world. I mean, not enough people have heard it. So let's go on from Western Union. What what happened after that? What was it like hearing that on the radio for the first time? Well, we just—I remember
1: Mike had a '64 white Chevy. Impala, and we pulled off the side of the, some freeway when we heard it, and the doors flew open. And we cranked it up, and we're dancing
0: around the car. You know,
1: <laughs> a bunch of long haired idiots having a ball. Man, you
0: know. Hollywood pays big money for scenes like that. That's incredible.
1: It's what happened. I know. know.
0: And and what.
1: Uh, Mike said, well, he said, we're on our way now, boys. And I said, yeah, it looks like it. So uh, we'd already had a hit, but nothing like that one. I mean, that radio sound, yeah, it was number one everywhere. It was like uh, number one. It wasn't number one in Billboard, but Cashbox, it was one, I believe. And Record World, those were, you know,
0: older. Unbelievable. And did you guys do any, like... Like shows to promote the song, like what was it? Uh, Dick Clark stuff, like that. Was that going on then? Oh,
1: yeah. We did uh, where the action is about six times with with uh, Dick Clark and uh, Paul Revere and the Raiders. And uh, we did uh, the show out here where the uh, the Dick Clark Saturday show, which was the big one, we did that three or four times. Uh, Dick became I became really close with him and uh, uh over the years, but he he really he really kicked it in the pants you know with us wow
0: that's amazing and he
1: liked us you know that's what counted
0: so everything changed suddenly there's girls everywhere there's booze there's parties there's oh a few cocktails here and there
1: you know maybe maybe a short
0: one Hello Charles Sally and a short Cocktail. Here we go. <laughs> you know, it was uh, it's just fascinating, you know, um, I remember I was talking to Peter Asher one time at the um, the Composers Breakfast Club and he sat across the table from us. This is before they had the big thing and yeah. he was telling us story after story and he, he he had that teen hit uh World Without Love. Oh, that was a great. When he record. was when you know and that was he wrote that with Paul McCartney uh-huh. the, the bridge. But anyway, he said getting chased by Millions of lovely girls. I highly recommend it. <laughs> there could be worse medicine in this world. Yeah. I, but if that's what yeah. comes to mind. I mean, I have to ask, you know, because well, it's like that's rock and roll, you know. It like, was that's we, studio secrets A to Z. I mean, we're here to give give up some secrets. <laughs> you know, we, well, you know, we were not too we, many, but
1: uh, no, <laughs> well, on a nameless pattern here. Uh, there was a, we toured with the Stones when they came through the Midwest. Uh, oh my one, gosh! And you know, I don't know the situation how it occurred uh, prior before the uh, action occurred, yeah. but we were in Houston and uh, the Stones' manager at the time if I wouldn't I was I forget the guy, one of them. He came into our room in Houston. And he said, "Boys, uh, we're gonna you won't be joining us on the next leg of the tour." And I, we said, "Why? The everything's great. I mean, you know, we we're doing this and that. We we're opening up and." And what had happened is some of the girls that had been in their rooms at some of the parties came down to our rooms and stayed down there. The whole thing was, you know, they didn't like competition. Yeah, in wow. that department and they of course yeah. uh, we couldn't compete with them uh, the string of hits they'd had and the whole thing we weren't trying to we were just glad to yep. be with them on tour so uh, we abruptly left the tour oh uh,
0: man but, but some great memories though did uh, you ever like hang out with them and, oh uh, yeah, yeah what were they like uh, as people at the time they were much
1: I didn't you didn't hang with them you kind of went by them you oh, know, I see the, you know and you'd say if you thought, oh, good show good, yeah good show yep. and you know the, I the, get it da, 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 yep. and we'll see you later yeah I'll see you after the show, okay, you know it was kind cordial, of a but cool. separate, yeah.
0: And I get it, you know they'd been through a lot. Oh, yeah, it's just part of the deal. Wow. Yeah. So uh, from from there, where do we go? Like after uh, your string of hits with the, those guys, we what? had six uh, top forty, uh, number one, to, top
1: five. Uh, evil not love E V O L. We spelled it. It was a hit in Sweden. <laughs> I said thank you very much <laughs> I love you snookums. Uh, uh that that worked but uh, we had some major things that go on and, uh, financially we not, uh, the management problems and all that and I said man I gotta get out of here and so I went to Norman and I the, the guy that got the guitar book the football player I love Norman he ended up being a preacher it's crazy stories it's a movie actually oh it really is you know the five americans go to hollywood but it's it's i i remember norman he was a great guy mike raven they're all gone but me now oh wow but uh we you know norman and i packed up i took i threw everything i owned in a u-haul and got my old oldsmobile uh 442 68 brand new and i just bought it Threw everything, got it, and drove out to Hollywood with nothing.
0: Wow, the American nothing, dream. Amazing. And stayed
1: in Griffith Park uh, till the cops ran me out wow. and my, in my U-Haul. I was sleeping. <laughs> that's incredible. <laughs> yeah. So you go from a number one hit on the radio to sleeping in a U-Haul. I mean, that's the it music was, business. Uh, it was. You know, I, I should have at least uh, planned it a little bit, but I. it was one of those things you do in life. And uh, a friend of mine, I'd done some shows with Bobby V., Bobby was a great singer Rubber Ball and back, Come Bouncing Back I was, had a bunch of hits several number ones he was produced by Snuff Garrett Bobby I called one day and I said Bobby do you know any place where I might uh, I've got some songs I wanted to play for some people you know edging into songwriting because nobody wanted two Americans or one American they wanted the whole group you know the rest of the guys that stayed in Dallas and he said the Ventures are looking for a keyboard player and it was one phone call. And I said, What's, where's that going on? He said, well, and he called Mel Taylor, the drummer, and I met them at uh, uh, Warner Brothers, was it? Mm-hmm. Uh, the old 3rd Street office where they had a studio with Lanky Langstrom. And they had a B3 organ. And they, Don Wilson and Bob Bogle, the two uh, uh, co-owners of the group, started the group back in 58, I believe. They came down and I auditioned on that am and, and I played a original song I'd written called Gypsy and uh, they loved it and uh, actually I recorded it uh, but they said okay you're hired so for $100 a week I took off I had a you know
0: <laughs> that was probably a ton of money yeah
1: it's fine with me you know no it's better crimes, than the U-Haul you know. <laughs> 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 so we uh, they just recorded Hawaii Five O, and uh, we recorded another version for Japan, which I did some of the effects that were similar to the yep. the mainstream venture song. And Mort Stevens at CBS had cut the original television thing, Hawaii Five O. The record version we had went back and forth with the show and ended up being number three, and the show was number one.
0: Wow, that was a huge
1: thing. And you know, because Bobby, I call Bobby V. I, I mean one phone ventures. call changes your life right? yeah it does I, I had a lot of those yeah. you know marriage proposals yeah so
0: you ended up in the Ventures and then that's how you ended up in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame but that's skipping way too many years so let's go into like some of the stuff that happened with the Ventures that was exciting for we you.
1: started writing immediately they yeah.
0: wanted to write some
1: original songs for Japan and uh, I wrote with Jerry McGee the original the Nokia left the group for a while, most for the rest basically, for, that was about it Noki Edwards, Jerry McGee uh, just finished uh, Stars Born with Chris and uh, Barbara Streisand and uh, he was getting some notoriety as a lead player from Louisiana, from Eunice, a little town Jerry was with him and so we recorded an, uh, s- some other things, but we wrote a song called Stranger in Midasuchi that song is still active today, wow 200 licenses and it's unbelievable the the amount of people in japan that's their biggest market for the ventures anyway the only one really compared to the american market it's which is somewhat but japan is huge and stranger in minasuchi uh it's probably i don't know millions of units and licensing and all the guys that own the publishing and all that you know i was a fifth writer and
0: still made really good money on wow, it. Wow fantastic and, uh, so that led to Snuff Garrett did Snuff Garrett is in the same circle is that how that happened? Snuff I'd heard about <clears throat>
1: was producing Cher and I'd, a friend of mine Vicki Lawrence's uh, husband Bobby Russell had written a song called Gypsies Tramps and Thieves <laughs> which was a huge record you oh know my gosh. later on so I emulated everything I could you know like uh, some of those songs and I had uh, four singles with Cher Uh Dark Lady was the one. Wow. And when I wrote that, I was with the, still with The Ventures, and it was in 71, the latter part. We were on tour in Tokyo, and Osaka. And Snuff Garrett, their producer, I'd played it for him on the piano, and he told me that very day I played it, he said, J.D., he said, that's a number one song. <clears throat> he said, there's something bothering me about the ending. And I said, well... Let me know, you know, I'm heading out on tour, but I was so excited that he uh, was into the song. And so I took off and w- with the guys and we were touring and I got a telegram at the Imperial Hotel in Tokyo where I stay and I had a room you could jog in. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was unbelievable. <laughs> and I get this telegram, he says, you need to kill them both at the end of the song. And I had not done that That's when I wrote genius. It. And he was right, so I made sure that the the, the woman that was the story was about the fortune teller shot them both, instead of just wow, you know, didn't do it, you know. She S- ran so away does he get a
0: cut for that? <laughs> <laughs> Change a word, get a third.
1: <laughs> he tried.
2: <laughs> it didn't work.
1: He got he got into that later on with my success. He ended up. Well, no, but uh, so th- that single went uh, when it was re- we recorded it. Uh, with the wrecking crew, and uh, I want to hear all about that day yeah that that was a crazy day. Uh, Tommy tedesco was there uh let's see what was her her name uh, k Carol k Carol k yeah I think she was there. I'm not yeah. sure I think uh I played piano on it, yep, yeah. and then they decided they need another piano player because I was playing too much like the song that I'd written, <laughs> and, and so <laughs> I was flattered so <laughs> too many I think, notes I don't know if David Foster came in but he cuts on some of my stuff I don't know if he was enjoying, yeah. but Hal Blaine Hal Blaine a, oh my oh, gosh yeah. He's, he did 35,000 uh, dates and uh, around 6,000 singles that's what I, that's what he says and if yeah. you cut it in half for the
0: truth yeah, it's still phenomenal
1: <laughs> you know?
0: it's insane it is I can't imagine being in the room with those people I mean it's just got to be I mean, I've seen some of the movies and things about it. It's just, it's beyond legendary. It's just. Oh, Tom right Tedesco
1: here. always had a cigarette behind his ear and one in an ashtray on both sides of him, and his his acoustic guitar, which was the bed of the song. Yep. And he would sit there, and he would just formulate each time. And Hal had a way of just looking at him, and and Carol. And And the, that unification I had Jamie Burton, Jim Burton a lot of times Glenn Campbell would play he played on some of the dates and I played with Glenn yep. uh, on some dot record dates for Dick and Dee and different old acts that we did. Wow, Glenn was amazing. he adapted to anything. He was the best guitar player I ever heard for in a lot of ways amazing and I was with the ventures, you know with Noki and Jerry
0: and uh, so Skunk you didn't cut, did you guys cut that to a click track or would it just be like using the acoustic guitar as the main...
1: Well, I think they had clicked in. I was, after they dropped me as the piano player on the day, <laughs> I went and pouted in the studio and listened to the hit being done. You know, uh, it was great. And then uh, Cher, I, I was there for a little bit, and Sunny came down, and then I left, and she did th- several more vocals and uh, did a composite, you know.
0: Yeah, sure. And uh, Big hit. Yeah, and we should play that for everybody, I think. Oh. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. That's a good one. You got it. Wow, I heard about twenty things I've never heard before, like that harp. And it was
1: amazing. Yeah, that she was. Uh, she played the L.A. Symphony. I can't remember. I mean, jeez.
0: I mean, mm-hmm. amazing player. That's a study in like what a hit song is in, in any era. I mean, it is so loaded with hooks. Everything from the floor tom hit is a hook. And I the mean, bass. I think Joe or, uh I forget who played bass.
1: But dome, dome. Dome, it was like so simple and how blaine played off of it and it was like it it was the root of everything if it moved too much it wouldn't work it's
0: just incredible i'm just i mean the string section was that done
1: on a different day or no jimmy gets off was there with his uh, 12 people and uh we they did it all at once oh my god it was only two or three takes those guys you know they were paid to be yeah. uh, quick efficient yeah. you know who I did mean, the chart for the strings uh, uh Al caps okay
0: and it was you know it was one of those things that I just, love dissecting these things it's just such a thrill to be here with you. I can't even get over it I'm just that's <laughs> kind of kind <laughs> of yeah, I'm just, well, It's overwhelming man it's, well we've known yeah. each other for I know okay. but, but you know uh it's
1: I don't think about it and then I get to talking about it it's different and, you know either. i've I've been blessed to live a long time with uh, a lot of different. Um, Motions and music and around different people, and I still love it like the day I first discovered it.
0: It's part of you. It's what you do. It's like you can't yeah. you can't change it. It's just what what it is. You know. It's like um, yeah, the share thing was great.
1: You know, and Snuff <laughs> Garrett Snuffy taught me a lot. You know, he taught me that 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 you have if you want to be a writer, you got to write every day. Wow, he's a producer. You yeah. uh, know, he did. The, you know, we did a lot of movies at Eastwood and different people. And
0: you do even to this day. I every time I go over to your place, you play me two or three new songs. I mean, you just are so prolific. And I, tell people a little bit about your background in in English language, which I think is really an important part of this whole thing. That you had the the that kind of capacity in English to, to in make English, this.
1: yeah. That was my
0: major in college, as
1: far as. Uh, uh, English and I loved English literature as I love today you know and got some things going on with some of the English poets American poets and uh, people and musically but the English uh, you know it's like anything else I didn't uh, I ended up teaching it for a year high school and after teaching it I knew I didn't want to be a teacher <laughs> I,
0: I love the English language but it's uh, t- today it's kind of a rare thing you know it's just the level of like when you get inside those lyrics the how they're constructed from an English language sense it's one of the things I think kind of missing in a lot of music today—I don't want to sound like the old "get off my lawn" yeah, dude—but right. but still, yeah. I mean, the, the the level of craft were from people like you and Carole King and that era of the Brill songwriters and their, things were really really well crafted from the English language point of view, which I think is yeah. really, really kind of a lost art in some respects. Uh-huh. But anyway, we'll move on from the negativity. I don't like to be negative. It's, no,
1: I you know I learned the. the
0: of, I worked with Phil Everly, he was blessed
1: with a beautiful diction and singing courses Harmony with his brother Don. And that they, they Phil always said, If you're gonna speak the language, speak it properly. And of course he slanged it out with a lot of the songs, but he wasn't that way and you know, for records, bye bye, you know, wake up little Susie and all that stuff. He he said, "You know, you
0: have to you have to enunciate, pronounce, and, and sure. make sure that people. That's the yeah. story. That's what people are going to connect with. A lot of people, like some right. people, don't listen to lyrics, and the other people. That's all they listen to. So, yeah. but it's yeah. it's important. So that dovetailed into more stuff with um, snuff. So, like you got into the Hollywood thing. Tell us a little bit about how the movies and all that came about. Well, that just was a natural progression for him. <clears throat> he."
1: after the share thing and she went on and you know she went to Vegas did a show and studied acting and kind of moved in a different direction and stuff was doing some other artists and uh, uh we did uh, Jimmy Darren I don't think you ever knew I wrote uh, Sleeping in a Bed of Lies for him and uh oh there's some uh Brenda Lee will work we I wrote for her uh, Oklahoma Superstar and a bunch of songs in those days and uh uh what was Tanya Tucker? We did wow, wow. some stuff with her, and uh, a lot of old country cowboys, you know. Uh, but uh, Snuff had a dream about uh, uh, working with Roy Rogers and all the old timers and and doing westerns. And he bought entire the catalog of Republic uh, Western pictures, you know. He bought all those movies, and uh, we ended. Up, and I was writing some of the stuff for that, but it wasn't much until he one day decided he wanted to form a record company with clint eastwood and i said what do you mean what do you what are you talking about and he said i've got some ideas and we ended up doing a a, song, a movie called bronco billy and it was the first one we did with clint wow and and he formed this record company uh what was the name of that oh well i'll think of it later but anyway uh he said jd i need i want a song for merle haggard And so, you know, just thinking about that prompted me to go into a a song called The Loser's Club. And it didn't work out because the wrong title, but finally one day I came up with this thing and and Snuff said, why don't you call it Misery and Gin? And I said, oh, I couldn't call it that. (laughs) I like The Loser's Club and we had an argument about it. Wow. And so finally I caved in. I said, okay. And so... Uh, we did, and Merle came to town one time uh, for a show, and Snuff picked him up at the airport and took him out to his little ranch out there in Bell Canyon. He had a beautiful little Hacienda ranch where he kept his artwork and horses and wine cellar and all that bit. And so Merle heard my song. It was just me on the piano, and Merle said, "That's I want to cut it. Well, it was in a picture too, you know. Wow. But anyway, that's how it got in, Misery and Gin. And, I love uh, that
0: song. We gotta listen to that one too. I'm just, yeah,
1: it was it was my favorite country song out of It's heard. unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. I think you have it framed or something. Your, I've got lyrics on it and Cindy Foreman who's uh Strangely enough, she said it's kind of like a Bible song in Nashville. People say one of the songs that Merle did of uh, the ones that that kind of unify that it's biblical in its approach, although it's a barroom song. Wow! And they say some of the barroom biblical songs have that identity that uh, he stopped loving her today, you know, some of those things. And, and Misery and Jen was right put into that. And Merle told me one time, he said, uh, people have told me that, that they love that song more than any of the ones that I've written and he said it kind of ticks me off sometimes <laughs> it's Incredible. and I, I said well I said I'm glad I stumbled into that one <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to trip and fall in the right place you know <laughs>
3: Memories and drinks don't mix too well Judebox records don't play those wedding bells Looking at the world through the bottom of a glass All I see is a man who's fading fast Tonight I need that woman again What I'd give for my baby to just walk in Sit down beside me and say it's all right Take me home and make sweet love to me tonight But here I am again in misery again sitting with all my friends and, and talking to myself I look like I'm having a good time but any fool can tell that this hockey talk heaven really makes you feel like hell. Cigarette And we start talking about What we want to forget Her life story And mine are the same We both lost someone And only have ourselves to blame But here I am again Mixing misery Sitting with all my friends and and talking to myself I look like I'm having a good time But any fool can tell That this honky-tonk heaven Really makes you feel like hell
0: I'm just speechless. That's you on piano for sure. I know your style. Well, I hate to break this to you, that's John Hobbs.
1: <laughs> but I played it kind of like that before he before he gracefully really did it right. He was a great. It's player.
0: gospel. It's like the style, right? I mean, as far as yeah. those voicings, it yeah. sounds
1: like what, the way you play, though. Yeah, that's what, I play it like that. But Hobbies, John Hobbs, puts puts things in a perspective that worked with J.D. Manus the steel player i see and they'd worked so many times jd J. Manius has been done a lot of hits he still do, he still plays a lot Hobbes is retired he worked with vince gill and produced vince and a bunch of nashville and uh, we stayed friends uh, but he did a lot of the keyboard work for the wrecking crew a lot too they liked him you know they, they he knew what to do with those guys
0: brilliant chord changes and just the way the strings kind of follow the piano it's just like there wasn't a
1: dry eye in the place. I was there, and Merle, uh, he'd lived it too, you know. He was going through one of his many divorces, uh, or one of his... Divorces. Divorces. Yeah. I shouldn't say many. <laughs> uh, cut that out. <laughs> uh, yeah, please. <laughs> Am I bitter? No. Uh, <laughs> is he bitter yes this is the good stuff oh, this, this, is is, a, this is this is what is, people tune in this for is the, this is the music business <laughs> folks if you don't believe me ask AJ and Greg here I will tell you the truth even if it is a lie it's a studio secret uh, it's you know <laughs> how come the mice all left the corner
0: oh well but uh, t- Anyway, uh, you know, I think I think um, you know this is a really good place I think to end the, the first episode. I want to talk a little bit more, but I think we can okay, like sure. you know because there's so much more. We're just scratching the surface, um, and we'll jump into the the second episode uh, yeah, sure. for next time. But I, I I just can't tell you how like blown away i am it kind of sets a whole new bar for the podcast getting you know somebody like yourself on here really really means a lot to us thank you well, so it much it means
1: a lot to me you, know, you both you guys have uh, like i said stood with me and stood up for me and we'll and get into all your new stuff too on the next oh, one yeah sure well wonderful it's great be- uh, being with you and uh you know i i've always uh, i love what i do and do what i love it's all together
0: it's so inspiring thank, thank you, you so much man thanks AJ Studio Secrets A to Z thanks for coming and don't forget to tune in next time for episode 2 with John Darrell.